You're listening to the Just Jazz and Co podcast, the show where you hear the how, why, and what of ambitious careers with me, Just Jazz, and many guests. I'm a multi-passionate, wildly ambitious lover of tea and R&B. I'm also on a mission to guide more high achievers to the careers and lives they deeply desire through coaching. Yep, you heard me. Desire. No shame or secrets about it. Here, we boldly embrace ambition by owning, being, and doing more in our careers. And in each episode, we break down the barriers to creating something that will make you and everyone you know step back in awe while keeping it simple. So what are you waiting for? Let's dive into the episode. All right, folks, welcome to this week's episode of the Just Jazz and Co podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest with me, Penelope Lazel. Hey, Penelope. Hi, Jess. You're right. I'm good. I'm good. How are you today? Yes, I'm all good. I'm all good. Excited to be here. Awesome. I'm excited to have you. Could we start off by asking you to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, so I'm Penelope Lazell and I amalgamate recruitment, um, well-being and leadership in one place. So I talk a lot about leadership and, and well-being and I I feel like I'm on a mission to change the nine to five and make it more flexible for the Gen Zs and the millennials coming into the workplace. Mm. Um, but because I've got a background in recruitment of over 25 years, um, I also know that that's needed in recruitment as well. So I amalgamate the, the, the three things together, blending it seamlessly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I absolutely love that. And it's so interesting. I was actually having a conversation with some of my younger cousins and explaining to my cousin who's 17 what millennial is, what Gen Z is, and like racking my brains with my other cousins on which ones we are and what the traits are. Because I think once you know what they are, then certain things just make sense. You know, these labels kind of mean that a lot of stuff becomes a little bit unspoken. But when you're living it, you know, and we started explaining the stuff to her, it was just second nature. Like that was her life. When I was like, you guys grew up on a hypercharged version of the internet. Yes. I remember the internet coming in. (laughs) So do Um, I. (laughs) I remember MSN Messenger. Like I I remember dial-up. I remember the fact that if the phone rings, whatever you're doing on the computer is over. Like I remember that. Whereas you have no concept of that or even, you know, going to another vertical, like you guys probably have never purchased a physical music thing. Unless you're like hipster vibes. Exactly. I remember records, cassette tapes, CDs, like mini disc. I I take it back even further, Jazz. I I started work when there was a typing pool and you used to phone up and dictate your letters. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So it's funny you say that, but I worked for a very traditional uh, duke, should I say. And one of the tasks of the PAs was to type up dictation tapes like actually you took the tape out of the machine you flipped it over and you've got your little headset yes, and you're typing yes, up what was there yeah so yeah i remember watching that and walking into that in the early 2000s and being like is this really what's happening <laughs> this is actually somebody's role okay you know and before we hopped on to record i was saying to you you know my ops um my ops lead is going to reach out with all the bits and bobs around the podcast and i'm like i don't even ask her to transcribe stuff like she cleans up transcripts right yeah. i'm like automate it ai it <laughs> out go um so yeah lots of rants about modernizing the world of work (laughs) so what does your day-to-day look like then in your own career so in my own career I still balance part-time in a recruitment agency, so I still run one of those. Um, but my my passion is my own business. And in the day-to-day of that, I would come in. So I, I work with organizations in different things. And I, I say to organizations that it's one size, you know, they, they can plan how they want their recruitment to be. Um, so I can work with HR departments. I can work, do the traditional recruitment and nothing else. Um, but what I I love to do is go into an organization and and just make sure that the role is right um so i do a consultancy so this is my typical sort of recruitment 
pattern as you like. Um, so I go in and I do consultancy and make sure that the role is exactly what it needs to be. Um, so for example, you might need an administrator times two because you've grown to that point that your administrator is now up against, back up against the wall, can't cope with the workload and you need a second. But actually you might not need a second or that person that you're advertising for might not be the right fit for the department. So I do a lot of consultancy around, is it right? How do we then take this to market? How do we work um, and make sure that we're attracting in the younger generation? Because that's the problem that we've got with recruitment at the moment is the younger generations are looking for a certain type of work. And unless you're putting it in, you know, black and white, this is what we're offering you, they're not gonna come. So I spend a lot of time doing that making sure that the role is right and it matches exactly to the needs of the team but it's also matching the millennials and gen z's um, and their needs um, then do the traditional recruitment so i could like I say i could do that standalone i could do traditional recruitment where we go we take your job and then we go and i'll talk to lots of candidates and and try and match somebody for you and get the interviews lined up for you um, but what tends to happen in organizations when you're in a recruitment um, background, when you're going through the recruitment process is people are getting overwhelmed and the work stress is piling up. And what I tend to do then is I'll work with those companies to help build resilience within the team. So stress yeah. isn't necessarily work-related stress, as you know. Um, and, and the trouble is companies go, well, we've got a well-being program. That's perfect. That ticks all our boxes. <laughs> but it's not the well-being program that that individual needs. So everything I do pulls it back mm. to the individual. Um, I'm a stress and well-being assessor. So I do an assessment mm. to work out where that stress is coming from, because it might not be the work that they're doing. They're actually coping. They're high functioning at their organization and they're producing results that are great. But actually, they're having rows with their husband on a daily basis, and it's that stress that they're bringing into the workplace. So once I know that, I can then work with those individuals to just build the resilience and make sure that they're not overly stressed, keep production high and productivity high within the organization while the recruitment is taking place. But I also do a lot of coaching with those coming into the organization as well. So the, the, particularly the Gen Zs, they are highly anxious individuals. And so walking into a new environment, having negotiated this perfect job, because that's what they want. They want to have this perfect. They've got this ideal. This is what they want. They want the salary. They want this. They want that. We want this. They've, we've ticked all those boxes. But now they've got to get in the door and where their stress and anxiety is heightened that can be a real challenge. And I'm finding a lot of companies are struggling to get people to actually turn up on their first day. So we do a lot of coaching within that to make sure that they are, they've got the tools to cope with that anxiety that is functioning at high levels within them. And it's just because of their nature of um, their wellbeing, but also to make sure that they're settled in the first few weeks and work with the companies to make sure that they settle in and they, they are able to, to build up their career from that moment of stepping in. That is so huge. And there's so many things that are going off in my head at the time of us having this conversation. I am a millennial looking for a job. And, you know, as I said to you before we hit record, I said, I'm looking for that four day a week, unlimited annual leave. You trust me to get the job done type sitch. And I'm celebrating the fact that there's more and more of that out there. There's yeah. more of that, you know, we're paying you for the value, we're paying you for the results, how you do it, we can work around that. Um, and I think it's really interesting to see the reality, which is that those job descriptions that I'm seeing on the front end don't happen by accident. Even articulating it again, like I'm, I'm probably a tough crowd. I'm a career coach as well. So you can't just write flexible working because I'm like, what the hell is that? Starting a seven There's levels to this thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's that. And I'm just like, and I'm, I'm meticulous with it, you know, because again, like what you were saying, it's about that personalized experience. It's about that long-term success. I don't want to apply for something where I know I'm not a good fit for you, yeah. right? So... If you're flexible working or if I found some some very fun job ads that say flexible working or they say hybrid and it is four days in the office and one day at home. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's not 
you advertise this as remote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your language is playing games. I'm not going to play these games with you, so I will not be applying. So there's that sort of space where um, I think it's so important to know that there are faults like you looking at it from both sides, almost almost like a bit of a career matchmaker, right? It's not just getting in the door, it's, it's completing that journey. And I think we've come from a space of almost sort of like batch onboarding people. Yeah. Here's the documents, open up your calendar and just crack on through the stuff. Not recognizing that actually we, we want a more personalized experience at work. And that is regardless of whether you consider yourself to be neurodiverse or, or um, have anxiety, you know, in general, we, we embed ourselves a lot better when we're seen as individuals, we're seen as ourselves, we're permitted to have particular needs, we're permitted to have that feedback loop, not just I'm going to throw this onboarding at you. And then when you're three months in or 30 days in, somebody's going to turn around and go, so how were your first couple of weeks? Yeah, yeah. And by then you've got all of the angst of it was actually dreadful, but I haven't passed my probation yet. So I probably shouldn't tell you that. So yeah. much goes on, you know, and it can mean that you show up and you don't necessarily perform. And I've been there where I've seen clients literally go through all the hoops to get the job, show up first week and go, oh my gosh, what have I done? Yeah. And it's a two and way when we thing. unpick that. Yeah, complete two way thing. It. When we unpick that, there's some questions that just haven't been asked. They don't feel comfortable to advocate for maybe parts that are missing. There's some things that they're uncertain of. And then on top of the usual sort of, okay, let me learn to give myself some space to acclimatize and learn, not expect myself to just do on day two, if that makes sense. And yeah. not hopefully they don't expect me to do on day two, right? The pressure that we put on ourselves as high performers is compounded by the expectation of, this is Jazz, she's our new wizard, and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, oh my goody, goody gosh, I thought the hard part was over. Yeah, I could just sit here now and get on with my job and now I've got to be up here and I'm still, yeah, it's it's a very antiquated system that we've got and, um, mm. you know, hearing you talk about, you know, the flexible working and the no annual leave, that is my vision for when my company grows. I would love to have a company mm. that has no time. Time doesn't exist. I don't want you to do 30 hours a week. I don't want you to do 20 hours mm. a week. I don't want you to do 50. There is no time. You have a task to do. And whether that takes you two mm. weeks or a day, it's up to you. But once you're done, your time is yours. Yeah. And there is no need then for annual leave because you're effectively an entrepreneur instead of an employee. So yeah. you're working to your own abilities. It allows you to be... Um, so I've got a, a classic example of this. I've got a um, I've got a Gen Z working for me presently, and mm. he suffers crippling anxiety. And when it comes on, he wants to mm. work from his bed from about midday till about four o'clock, and then he wants to rest to go off to sleep. And as long as he can do that in that short period of time, he gets so much done. You know, and yeah. this is this is in my day job in my alternate the recruitment agency that I also work in uh, where I don't have a lot of say and my MD is like no he has to be there at half past eight and he's got to finish at half past five so I want him in the office it's an office job he's got mm. to be there so he pushes himself into that office space which then manifests mm. his anxiety into ill health so he has high sickness yeah. so then I'm getting from my MD well he's always sick well he's always sick because you're forcing him into that. you know if you allowed him to work from home when the anxiety was bad mm. and you allowed him to do that actually i get a day's work out of him it's just in a shorter period of time mm. you know and he performs yeah. better when he can manage his own time mm. instead of being dictated to um and that's becoming more and more apparent in the workplace and that's what's needed so that is my my long-term goal is to create a, a workplace where there is no time you, you, you this is what i expect of yeah. you however long it takes you I will pay you for this amount of work. And I think that works far better than you've got to be here from nine to five, Monday to Friday, have the weekend off and come back and do it again. <laughs> yeah, what well, is that? And I think the reality of it as well, like when you talk about it through an, an entrepreneurial lens, you've allotted a budget for a particular result. And the reality is that result usually derives in money. So what I'm paying you is a percentage of the sale or the revenue or the income. So whether you do it in four hours, six hours, 16 hours, 
the value of the work that you've done in getting that business, growing that business, supporting that client work or that project work is still the same. You know, I'm kind of thinking back to the sort of old sort antiquated excuses of, well, how do I calculate that? Aren't they going to be taking the piss? Aren't they going to take, you know, am I going to be hemorrhaging money? It's like, no, your margin's still your margin. You place a value on the task and on the output and then you build that in. And then guess what? Because they did it in eight hours. Tomorrow, they've got another eight hours to do another different value creating thing, as opposed to going, I'm just going to open 16 different tabs. And because I work nine to five, I have to work in a way that somebody's told me to. Whereas actually, if I got up at the crack of dawn and was able to do this at sunrise, I'd just get done like that, you know, and those are the stuff that we're becoming more aware of as we ask ourselves those questions, certainly questions that I ask myself, does this serve me to do this in this way? Does this serve me to do this in this time? And I think we, we, we get the tip of the iceberg with, are you a morning person or an evening person? But I think it's so much more nuanced than that because one of the things that I know for a fact, it's not about time, it's about energy. Yes, completely. And exactly like you oh, said, yes. that power nap, that afternoon, that oh, anxiety is going, let yeah. me regulate my nervous system and come back to it later. Even giving ourselves the permission to do things like that changes the game. Yes, completely, completely. And it's it's funny because I, I I class myself as living in two worlds because I'm still in you know still part time mm. in my in my day job and I'm still part time in my my business. And when I'm in my business, I flow like that completely. So I'm I am a morning person. I start yeah. four o'clock in the morning. I am like whoa, give me the work. Um, and I will go like that till about ten o'clock. And then I sit and have coffee. And I might go for a walk. And I, you know, I get into my day job. Mm. And because I'm expected to sit there, I still will sit there. I won't go for that walk, but I might go have a cup of coffee and I'm pushing myself through my levels and I know how to manage my stress because I understand my energy. So I, I'm still sitting at my desk because I'm supposed to, but I'm not actually doing anything <laughs> because I haven't got the energy to do it. Um, and it's a very bizarre world that, you know, and it, it it's been around for centuries. So why are we still trying to work to it when actually you're right? It's about energy. And I I, I just applauded you for saying that because it is so <laughs> interesting. It is about you understand stress is it's that overwork. It's that when you get to burnout, you're you're literally you haven't switched off and you keep going, you keep going, you've got data coming mm. at you, data coming at you, and that is effectively what stress is. So when you understand your energy. You understand when you should stop because you feel it. You feel it in your body. You'll mm. feel a little bit. You might get, I get tired eyes, I get shoulder ache, you know, things like that. You just start. So that's when you need to step away. Go away. Take a breather. Go away. Go walk in nature or, you know, but even our offices aren't built for going for walking, you know. They're in a, no. they're in business parks <laughs> with a car park. Great, I'll go and sit back the car, Ooh. shall I? Or in my in my car. You know? Just inhale some fumes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well I'll go and walk down that main main uh Calusia way, because that's the only walk that I've got. You know, it's we need spaces where we can just go and be within our workplace mm. so that we can just you know, I have this vision of a <laughs> probably a pie in the sky dream but I have this vision of a an office that's glass built so you can see the the gardens and the grounds around you with meditation pods <sighs> where you can take yourself off for your afternoon nap or just go and do a bit of meditation when you Love feel this. like it bean bags you know where you can just sit and work on a bean bag if you want to because how many times do you not want to sit at your desk and work I work quite often at my mm. desk but then there'll be hours where I'll just go you know what it's safer time I'm just gonna take my laptop and sit on the sofa because that's what I feel like doing at the minute. Mm. Or actually my bed's calling. I'm going to go and sit in my bed and just do a bit of work up there because I just want to lay down a little bit, you know? And it's, yeah. it, it's that understanding, isn't it? That we, we should be bringing it into the workplace. You've got me started now. <laughs> oh, I love this. Do you know what? And even when you started on that, so I, um, I'm moving out of my current private office and I'm looking for different shared workspaces. And one of the ones that I've looked at is near Holborn in central London. And one of the things that I love about it is that the area of Holborn has so many squares that are literally within walking distance. So I can go and escape from my lappy toppy. 
And even as you were just explaining your pie in the sky, I'm gonna put this concept out there and hope that somebody with big bucks or big sponsorship can do this. But I started imagining this gorgeous co-working installation, like in the middle of Hyde Park or somewhere, where people who wanna work, you know, there's a collaboration pod, there's, you know, there's whiteboard pens for some of the glass rooms, there's the bean bags, there's the outdoor installations, we've got lovely fresh food, we've got quiet, silent pods, we've got all of that stuff, but you are literally just surrounded by green, you actually forget where you are. Yeah. Because yeah. you just see sky and greenery to the side. And then somehow they've worked out the glass so that we're not actually like in the summertime, like roasting. And obviously we've got the power and high speed Wi-Fi and all those amenities. You can get your matcha latte or whatever. But that's what I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I imagine all the passers by going, why are all these people streaming into the park? Is there a concert? Is there what's happening? What's happening? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just a living installation of modern working. Yes. And they oh, are they are doing it. it. There are I mean my one of my one of my staff um team members, he was looking at a place in Manchester, funny enough, that has a co-working space mm. at the bottom of the high-rise flats. So he was looking looking oh, at yeah. that. Um so he could go downstairs, there was free tea and coffee, you know, there was meeting mm. rooms. That was all part and parcel of your rent for where you were living. You lived up on yeah. one of your, your floors. Um, and then up at the top, there was a, the second floor from the top was a gym across the top floor. And then the top above that mm. was your open air bar with a rooftop terrace. And he said, I'm just going to move in and never leave. Because <laughs> I can work downstairs. Basically. Go up and eat. <laughs> Go to the people gym, invite you to meet up and it's just like do you want to just come to my building <laughs> yeah. we can do all the things there and why not why not because you know space pollution he doesn't have any transport needs does he <laughs> <laughs> just gonna hop in the lift gonna go to work now <laughs> But I love it. I love it. And we want it and we need it. And, you know, even those of us who don't live in, you know, high rise buildings or like densely populated cities, we've kept most people have kept their pandemic offices because they've gone. This is nice. And if we share it, we share it. Or actually the kiddos want to go in and do homework in there. Like this is nice. And I think it's bringing me back to the sort of like Pride and Prejudice vibe where you have you have a living room, you have a salon, you have the kitchen. Like there is a purpose for every space because that does so much for our well-being like I'm talking to you from my bedroom and the reason why I got an office is because I recognized that that was a huge issue for me yes it costs money people will go jazz but you've got a desk in your house and da, da, da. but I was like what it does for my well-being to have a separate place of work and more importantly it's not even about having a separate place of work I could chuck my you know my desk in my kitchen for all I don't care it was about restoring my bedroom to a place of rest yes and yeah. feeling that right as a coach I work with embodiment a lot and you feel the difference when you wake up and you look at like a monitor and stuff like that and you're just like mm, this is just reminding me of my to-do list yeah. versus no there's there's nothing in here to do but rest and I leave the room if I want to stop resting yeah it's yeah. huge Yes, exactly. It is that downtime, isn't it? It is that time to, you, you need the spaces. I have a, I have an office in the house. I'm, I'm in it now. Um, but mm. I also have a, a co-working office that I rent for that exact reason. It's a coffee shop and I've got meeting yeah. rooms and I can take myself in there. And because otherwise you become insular, don't you? And, and that's no good either. You mm. need to have people around you. A hundred percent. This episode is brought to you courtesy of The Vault, my membership that is the secret weapon for high achievers everywhere. Through our private podcasts, monthly group coaching and intuitive networking, we have a community of folks who get it and are busy go-getting. Go to justjazz.co forward slash vault to join us today. I want to jump back a couple of chapters because I want to make sure that we dig into your career journey because you are someone who clearly works with high achievers, people who want to be intentional about their careers and organisations who want that as well. 25 plus years recruiting. How, where, like, where did it all begin in terms of your career journey into what you're doing now? 
I I was a rebel teenager. Um, so I left school at 16 with no GCSEs, um, you know, very minimal, and just knew that, oh, God, I need to make my dad proud. I need to go and do something. Um, I found myself on a YTS. So going back years um, when YTSs were, were the thing. Um, and I found myself in HR. And so that's where I started. Mm. And then I met my husband and, you know, quite early, early 20s. I met him at 21. Um, his career was taking off. So I sort of worked around him and the kids, you know. And then at 25, I, I found myself promoted to office manager in a male dominated printing trade that I was working in because uh, I'd come in from doing their invoices part time and then ended up running that and that was that was a real challenge for me that that particular job because these printers male I had to be one of the boys I had to they they weren't impressed that a woman who'd never left school and done printing and suddenly telling them what to do um and I I found myself really struggling and that was when I first burnt out and I really because I was pushing myself to be what they wanted me to be so I couldn't be a wife and mother mm. I had to be I had to be a man and I had to go down the pub with the best of them and one I of the lads to, one of the lads um just to try and get them to to do to listen to me and understand that I did have their best interests at heart um and unfortunately that company went into liquidation and I did that whole thing where I was like right okay I need to get another work job I'll go and run around some agencies find where I need to go it was just before Christmas and I said to my husband I'm just going to take my CV out and then after Christmas they'll find me some work now I ended up working between Christmas and New Year <laughs> in a recruitment agency and it was yeah. when I stepped foot in there it was um it was helping them to write CVs and um, doing a little bit of the sales because that's what I'd done in the printing trade. And I felt like I'd come home. It was it was an area that I just thrived in, I'm a natural people person. Um, so I was late 20s mm. and, and in my – but because I'd started in recruitment late, I had to prove that I could keep up with the best of them. It was very high targeted, very high sales um, I burnt out more times than I could wave a stick at. You know, mm. I, I really did. I lived in a very high stressed state um, and my career, you know, I've never looked back and I've grown it and grown it until I'm in my day job. I'm a regional manager now. So I look after three counties. Um, but yeah. I suffered incredibly with crippling anxiety, um, daily panic attacks, because I was always pretending to be somebody else so that I could fit the ideal um and I know this is quite common yeah. um but it was it was my I ended up with breast cancer well I ended up my mum needed nursing through 2015 with terminal breast cancer <sighs> so she was diagnosed in the March and I also had a high stress job I looked after her at the top I was mm. having kids and juggling and trying to do all of that and still putting everybody else first because that's what you did and I Lost her on the 21st of December, 2015. I was diagnosed with breast cancer myself on the 23rd. So I wow. pushed myself to go, right, I need to look after everybody. My dad's just lost his wife of 46 years. My kids have just lost their grandmother. Mm. I need to keep going and show them that I'm not going to drop dead in a year's time. Um, and at the same time, my boss said to me, well, don't expect any special treatment. So in his wow. heightened state, I, uh, I told him where to stick his job where the sun doesn't shine. And I went off and launched another healthcare agency in the middle of my chemo treatment. So I never took a day off. Wow. And by the time I got to the end of 2017, well, beginning of 2017, I was, I was seriously ill, really, really ill. And mm. it was that evaluation moment of going, why? I'm doing everything. Everybody says to be successful, you have to push hard. Everybody says that you have to be something to be successful. I'm doing all of that. Why is this not working? And then mm. I realized it was internally. It was me. I've never really listened to me. So I went on this healing self-discovery journey of listening to me and understanding what I wanted, what I needed, 
feeding myself. I learned lots of, I became a sound healer and an aroma freedom practitioner mm. and a heart math coach, all for myself because I wanted to understand stress and burnout and anxiety. I cleared my anxiety, cleared my stress. Running a healthcare agency at the start of 2020 was not the best place to find myself um, because March, we literally closed our doors and closed. We, we, we shrunk by 20, 75% overnight. And I had a team that was very small. I had three members of my staff underneath me. Care homes didn't want agency. My MD was pushing sell, 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 sell. Um, two of my staff members lived alone, young girls living alone. Um, so found themselves very yeah. isolated. Um, one of my lads was um, expecting his first baby with no family support because they were all in Brazil. Um, so with my MD yelling at them daily, how many sales calls have you made? How many sales calls have you made? How many sales calls have you made? How many? To the point where they were making redundancies around them. They were, if I didn't get asked every single day, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose my job? Is my job going? What's going to happen with my job? Am I going to, because our workload yeah. tripled. Our workload hadn't come down because the, the care homes had closed the door. So we now had to do all these risk assessments to make sure that everybody was safe. So workload had tripled. Um, and one of my staff was also seconded to look after another branch. So we actually went down a member of staff and all of this is going on. And I got to end of May and I'm watching my team burn out in front of me thinking, well, I'm fine because I, I know my energy. I understand who I am. I, mm. I've got all of this holistic stuff. Um, I understand this. Why? What do I do? What do I, and I thought, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone here. I'm going to protect them. And I called an emergency meeting and I told them to stop selling. Which, yeah. <laughs> this is the other side of the camera. <laughs> they just looked at me like, okay, our boss has lost a pot. So what, what happens now? And I, I, I told them I wanted them to listen to themselves. I wanted them to believe in themselves, understand who they were. I taught them all of these techniques of meditation at your desk and all of that and mindfulness and wanted them to listen to their energy. And without the MD knowing, I want you to work in your own capacity. And I want you to work mm. as your body says you need to. And the weirdest thing started happening is that we started to grow. The work started to come in. The business took off faster than any of the other branches. And you know where you sit there and you go, oh, have I just solved something? And that's when I decided to launch my business was because I suddenly realized that I wasn't alone. I wasn't this individual floating island. <laughs> I actually, everybody needs to understand who they are. And organizations mm. need to understand who their people are. And as long as you get that right, everything, productivity just keeps coming because you're naturally, yeah. the universe has this ability. I mean, law of attraction, you put out, you get back, you put out, you get back. So why do we not work like that? Why do we push and push and push and push? It just mm. didn't make any sense. So that's when I started my, my business and I, yeah, it's gone from strength to strength since then. Wow. So many brave, bold, aligned moves. Yeah. In the face of just shit. Like, I'm not going to say there's no other way to describe it. It's just, it's just shit. What is happening? It's the yeah. twilight zone. But you seemed so anchored throughout it all. But it's, it's how you learn the best part of us, isn't it? We all have challenges. Yeah that are sent to us for a reason. And I completely believe that. I, I believe mm. that I actually am so grateful for my breast cancer, which I, I class mm. it as my blessing, which sounds nuts, but it, it completely turned my life around and made me understand who I actually was. And I, I actually feel that my journey through that and understanding the burnout and the anxiety and the panic attacks to such a high degree helps me to understand mm. other people. And I couldn't have done that if I hadn't gone through that journey. Huge, huge. It's definitely something that I connect to because it's that's how I describe my experience of anxiety and depression. It keeps me anchored. It keeps me connected. It keeps me empathetic. But more than anything, it keeps me accountable to me for how I am living my life. And that's both in the grand scheme of the work that I do both as a coach in tech, how I show up as a family member or a friend, but also how I treat myself. Because 
the moment I lose sight of that, that's where we end up in burnout. That's where I end up trapped in my bed and not sure how to fix myself. And even in this space of I'm a broken thing to be fixed, you know, all of those sort of things compound if I'm not keeping an eye on the real humbling, essentially, that life can bring if I'm not keeping an eye out on that. And in some moments that can sound like a scary sort of like, am I living my life this way? Cause I'm afraid of burnout. I'm afraid of depression. I'm afraid of anxiety. No, it's just, I changed my relationship with them. We, we spend a shorter amount of time together. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and the world doesn't end if I end up trapped in bed, but we've just got a slightly different relationship. They're not the bogeyman in the cupboard. It is just very much. What have you come, what have you come to teach me now? How did we end yes. up here now? Okay. And it's how you learn learn from different things, isn't it? It's um, like my husband um, said to me recently, I spend so much time afraid, ashamed of my depression and ashamed of my mental mm. health and ashamed that I spent more energy hiding it than actually, like you say, facing it and going, well, okay, this is part of me. This is who I am. I've got to deal with this in a different way. Mm. And I have moments now, I mean, my, my husband, <laughs> my husband laughs at me now because I went from this very headstrong corporate woman to I can sit in a coffee shop and have a cry because I actually don't feel myself mm. today. And it doesn't faze me. And I'll cry for about half an hour, get it out of the system and go, okay, I'm okay now. Muff. You know, and I can do that in public. I can mm. do it with my team. You know, my team know when I've, I've got to the point where I go, actually, I'm stepping away because I, I need to just release this and then I'll be back. You know, I even row in a different mm. way. You probably do the same. My rows used to go on where I'd like, oh, I'm not going to win this, but I'm going to keep going. Well, now I just go out, <laughs> scream, come back in and go, okay, you're done. What, where are we moving on to? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, so you're saying this and I'm saying that, right? Okay, so what are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just like, I don't have time for this. Let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go into my loop. It's like, oh, I'm going into the pattern now. Saying the yeah. same thing you said before. Arguments <laughs> going to keep going. Want to eat dinner now? It is literally yeah. that, and it's like a heightened sense of self awareness, right? That's probably like a very simplistic way of putting it. But I think even hearing you talk about it, it's very much like those moments. And I'm going to describe it, and I'm coining it here, where it's like, life. I'm listening. Like if life yeah. was to give you a phone call to say, oi, what's going on? And whether that comes in the form of shit or challenges, it's like, cool, cool, cool. Listening, listening. What's the message here? Oh, I should stop yeah. arguing for hours on end because I'd rather not. It's exhausting. You know, things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah life exactly. and listening for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, there's so many things. This this life of evolving and, and being an evolved being who likes to learn about themselves there's moments where it's very fun but there's other moments where it's just very funny yes it's just very funny yeah. I just think back to how I used to react I remember going through my awakening um and, and sort of that and I class it as my awakening when I was really starting to open mm. myself up and the coffee shop moment that I just alluded to was we, my husband and I were sat there in a coffee shop and I did just suddenly burst into tears. And he, he looked at me like, what's, what's going on? Why are you crying? What, what? And I went, you've never seen me vulnerable. And I feel like I need to show you that I am vulnerable and I need you to, and we laugh about it now because he was sitting there like, oh my God, what do we do? She's crying. What do we do? <laughs> I broke her. She's broken. What happened? wait what don't I know what do I know what didn't I do yeah, oh. yeah. we'd be married we'd be married like 20 years at that point you know we'd never seen that side of me because I didn't I cried wow. behind closed doors as most people do there's a lot of people that do I'd cry mm. in the shower when nobody you know I could come out and look like I just had a you know very hot shower um I'd cry yeah. you know when nobody was around I'd cry I spent a lot of time in the car so the cry crying in the car was a, a classic one you know thumping the steering wheel because you're really angry <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. I burst into tears on a train platform because I missed the train. And yeah, this is in like yeah. the most intense period of burnout where my brain just went, I've missed this train. So I'm not going to be able to get into the office for seven o'clock, which means that I won't get this done and that done and this done before this <sighs> meeting. Blah, blah blah. It was like all wrapped up in the burnout dialogue. The everything is urgent, overload, overload, switch on, switch on. And I literally, as it was pulling off the platform, 
sobbed like a baby. Yeah, yeah. Like a baby. And if somebody had asked me, are you all right, what's wrong? Because I was in the, the, the weeds of the burnout, I actually would have told them, like very, with a serious face, like I've missed my train, which means that I won't be able to get into the office at seven and blah, blah, blah. And naturally they'll go, well, I'm sure it's fine. You know, da, da, da. and I'll be like, no, it's not fine. Da, da, da. You know, they'll get, they'll be able to unpick the logic of it. But when you're in the weeds of it, it's so hard to see. Um, and then when I think about those moments now, I'm just like, if I do burst into tears for that sort of reason, I, again, life, I'm listening. What's going on? Why is this that deep? Why have I made this so important to me? Mm. And is that serving me to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. More often than not, no. Yeah, exactly. Oh. But it's tough. We we tangle our identity with our career so much or what yeah. we do, right? Because I see the same thing with my friends who are parents. If I feel crap as a parent, I'm, I'm a crap human automatically, as opposed to the human who happens to be a parent, who happens to work as blah, 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 who happens to run this business. And it's, and it's tough. It's actually a whole journey to detach our identity. But once we do it, it's one of the most freeing things and actually makes that role more fulfilling. Yes. Yeah. It took me years to learn that. I spent some time with the mummy guilt. You know, I, I'm a working career mm. woman and I've got children that I don't see. So I need to put in extra hours to make sure that they're OK, to make sure that they get to their appointments, to make sure that they get their extracurricular activities in. And that I'm always there for them whenever they need me to the point where I wasn't there for myself. <laughs> I couldn't fit me in. <laughs> <laughs> but you know they're okay it wasn't healthy for them you know knowing they could click their fingers mm. and I'd just drop everything and and be there for them because I felt guilty yeah oh my goodness it's so huge I was saying this to my husband the other day we walked past the restaurant in London and I said did I tell you about the time where I took I went to a gallery of mum and I took her out for a bite here and I realized in that moment when I took my mum out she hadn't gone out a lot like as in my dad tries new foods every five seconds. You recommend something to him, he'll pop there on a Friday after work or on a Wednesday after work. He just goes. He's very, in that way, we're very similar. We're very spontaneous, motivated by pleasure. We believe we deserve it. So we go, you know, we go and get it. Whereas for mum, it's a little bit more of, oh, but if I do that, then I'll need to probably finish work at this time. But I've got laundry that I really want to get done and I've got da 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 And then the to-do list of stuff that actually genuinely doesn't really belong to her, because all of my siblings are grown, um, <laughs> creeps up in between. So when I had that moment, I was just like, this is how it's very easy for dad to have had all of these experiences and you not to, because the thought process is just completely different and you're you're biased in a different way. My dad is biased to whatever makes him feel good. You are biased towards is everybody alive, safe, watered, fed? Is everything coordinated? Is the house clean? Is the da 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 da? And I think that's something for me that I've grown a lot of empathy for as I've grown. I'm not yet a parent, but I think as I've grown into my own adulthood and I've seen that for what it was and seen that actually, A, we're kind of partly socialized that way, but B, Sometimes that's a choice, right? But also see, okay, now I'm just like on a mission to take my mum to lots of places for just no reason. Cause I want her to feel, again, kind of going back to the embodiment piece. I want her to sit in these gorgeous places and eat this gorgeous food and go, I get to do this. Yeah, My kids yeah. Are, are grown. My kids have flown their nest. Like there is no small, tiny human I have to keep alive. They kind of do that themselves. Yeah, completely, completely. It's an evolution. I, I also hope this for you, that your child is somewhere thinking, what can I treat mum to? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've still got one at home, but yeah, the other two have, have flown the nest. Yeah. So just got the one. And she doesn't think like that yet. Yeah. Still, mum needs to still do this no, for yet. me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an evolution. We just had Mother's Day um, in the UK and I was actually with my mum because we were travelling. And the card that I got her was just like a timeline of like, parenthood basically where it's like baby i need you for everything 10 years old i'm kind of getting sassy teenage years this was the dark time 20 year old you kind of turn into my friend 30 year old like i start turning into you and 40 year old like it's amazing and i when i saw it i literally laughed out loud because i was like 
I literally became my mum's friend when I didn't live with her. Yeah, I did as well. Literally, it's, I don't know what it is. It's too much energy in the household. I don't know. It's the vibes. I'm also like the oldest of four kids. Three of us are girls. So there's a lot of feminine energy. Yeah. We're very bold. We're very headstrong <laughs> in all the ways. Um, and I just became her friend. And I was like, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, funny enough, my eldest, I mean, she's, she's 28 now. Um, but she, she says, you're like my best friend now, mum you know yeah. and I'm like we, you have to turn into a mother yourself before you realize that <laughs> that's it and you know and they don't tell you that those are the benefits you know as much as like you know I do know for some mothers their children moving out is quite a difficult time and stuff like that but like silver linings you never know your daughter might call you every day yeah I, I'm, I'm expecting my she youngest wasn't doing that when still. she lived there no I'm expecting my youngest <laughs> to, to start doing that she's always saying she's never leaving she loves being here and um she texts me when she's out of the house with the most random things and I'm like yeah I can imagine you are going to be the one that is calling me most days <laughs> I love it. I love it. I saw a trailer for a TV show and like the clip was basically, um, the woman was basically saying, look, if you, I talk to my dad, like he's my best friend because he basically is. So if you want to come to me with gossip, please understand that my dad will know because (laughs) I'm going to call him with all of the tea. And I was just like, I love that. That's so sweet. (laughs) And especially having that from a daughter to a dad, I don't think we see that enough where like, the daddy-daughter bond is like, you're my dad's my bestie. Like, I yeah. talk to my dad about girly stuff and about boys. And it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's very evolved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've got, I've got that relationship with my youngest. She will, she will tell me all the gossip of her friends. And I'm like, I'm sure they don't really yeah. want me to know that. But I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, because then they come to the door and they go, hi, Penelope. It's like, hi, yeah. Okay. Yeah, were you out with that boy the other day that your mum doesn't want you to be? <laughs> it's just like, how are you? And then they give you the parent answer where you're just like I know that you are a mess and you've come over because he broke up with you but it's okay she's upstairs (laughs) oh my gosh life yeah Uh, life we are listening I'm gonna ask you a question I ask most guests what is your career teaching you right now my career is teaching me to really listen and go with the flow and the more I go with the flow the more that I grow and that's that's something that I was never expecting when I, when I started out in my career. I just thought I had to achieve, achieve, mm. achieve instead of flow. And I do literally flow. Uh, I just mm. wait for things to happen and they happen. And it's, it's liberating to do that. How can people connect with you and your work? So I'm on, I'm very prolific on LinkedIn, as you know. So it's just Penelope Lazel mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. Um, I've got my website as well, which again is penelopelazel.com. Um, but the best place to find me is, is LinkedIn. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and your story. We got into so much. I can talk for ages and ages and ages. No doubt we will have you back on the show because there's so much we can dive deeper into. Also, just, you know, we touched on a little bit like around ways of work. And I think that's ever evolving. We're seeing more research. We're seeing more experimentation, which is exciting globally. Um, So I'd be very excited to see where we are in 12 months time of what becomes the new normal yeah what gets retired and put into the archives um and what people are thinking in the place of kind of work in our lives overall yeah it'd be amazing to see where it's going and i i just think how, yeah. where will we be in about five to ten years time what will the workplace look mm. like how you know because we need to evolve and we are evolving yeah but you know, will it be as fast as the digital age coming in? Because that came in quick. Oh, you know, workplaces, yeah, workplaces are catching on, but it seems to be a slow process at the moment. So it'd be interesting to see where we're in sort of five to 10 years, whether it's, oh, we're yeah. all sitting in trees and working on our laptops. <laughs> well, it's exactly that. And I think to a certain extent, the other, the kind of phase two to that that excites me is that if we change the world of work, we'll change education. Oh, don't. We've got a whole new podcast on that. <laughs> we've got a whole new po- I know, we've got it. It's just like the intersection of education and work. And yeah. it's like, we've been treated like machines for so long because that's how work was created. And then they created education to feed that. When we dis- when we literally smash <laughs> yeah. the machinery way of work, education's going to need to roll with it. 
course it is. It already it is. is. Like, yeah. we're learning in different ways. Skills are being valued in different ways. Even going back to the, the model that you want to have about, you know, valuing impact over clocking in hours. Yeah. Yeah. Changes. Yeah. Needs to teach us life skills school. You know, how to, mm. how to cope with work and, and how to, you know, it's all very well having algebra. <laughs> If you're going to go into being a mathematician. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the most useless part of my educational journey. But like I said, that's a whole Sin, new podcast. Sin, and Tan have never arrived in my life ever again. <laughs> you use it every day, right? That used to be my argument, by the way. I was that child. I'd be like, Jazz, what's the answer? Look, my dad told me that he didn't use this algebra stuff, so didn't do it. Maybe if you're going to be a rocket scientist or a physician. This is it. And I was never, the, come on. Look I, was, look, I had a bugbear with my school. And in hindsight, I get where they were going, where we were a Roman Catholic girls school and they had our science and math certified. So they were trying to push everybody in that direction. And I rocked up on the scene and was just like, I get it. I'm going to do it. However, comma, I am the thespian writer, literature, drama, sociology. That is my lane. I don't want an A star in maths. No. Because I, I just don't. I'm never going to use it. It's not me. Um, and I understand what they were doing in terms of creating pathways into STEM, which again, when you're 12, you don't know that the world of work is so ridiculously imbalanced against women who want to get into those fields. But it definitely was that for me. I was just like, okay, I can descale my kettle with bicarbonate of soda. That is what I'm getting <laughs> from science. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't fit. Okay. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit everybody. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got three three children, two of them highly academic, and one of them that you you sit her with some bolts and nuts and bolts, and she would she would create a rocket out of it. But give her English and maths to fail miserably, and that you know mm. she's going to be a very practical in the workplace. So why am I trying to push her to yeah. top GCSEs? Hundred percent. Mm. Anyway, look at us diving into part two. I'm going to stick a pin. I'm going to come back. I'm going to circle back on this one, I promise. Um, but thank you so, so, so much. This has been such a great conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I knew it was going to be a good one. We knew it was going to be one of us. We were going deep. <laughs> we were going to go deep. We don't do shallow. We don't do shallow. Don't forget to reach out with any gems you took away. My DMs and inbox are always open and waiting to hear. And if you liked this episode, you should probably join the crew. So sign up to the Monday Memo to get weekly messages that put you back at the center of your ambitious career. With passion-filled musings created to educate and inspire, you'll have everything you need to fuel your ambitious career this year. Go to justjazz.co forward slash join and I'll see you there.